good morning to Warren Ench, the member for Leichhardt. Thanks for uh, coming back and having a yarn with us. Always a pleasure, Greg, absolutely. And it's great to be on, on Black Star as well. I mean, uh, uh, you guys have been going exceptionally well over an extended period of time. It's great to see you continuing not only to provide your service but actually looking to expand it. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Warren. Look, uh, um, if you're, um, you've been around a few of these elections now, and uh, how is your gut feeling on uh, on this one? How you, how you going to end up? Look, I'm feeling okay. I mean, uh, this, you're right. This is my eighth. Yeah. Would you believe? And wow. uh, um, but but I, over that period of time, of course, it's given me an opportunity to have a very good understanding of the various communities and how they how how they're thinking. It's also given me an opportunity to be able to uh, showcase what we've been able to do over that period of time and build a very good positive relationships, mm-hmm. and um, which I'm very, very proud of. Um, I, I, I go into it feeling c- comfortable. Uh, I always reflect, well, what more could I have done uh, or, you know, during the last three years and beyond? And I feel that, uh, you know, I've done as best as I possibly could. Mm. One of the challenges you have at the moment is the um, the internet, social media. Um, I get people will come contact my office with a particular issue that, and I'll say, where did you get that information? Because it's so blatantly wrong. Or we got it off Facebook. Well, we got it off the internet, yeah, yeah. and and then I'll try to explain to them well wh- why it is wrong, you know, yeah. dealing with facts. Yeah. But they go glassy-eyed, mm-hmm. and they say, "Well, that can't be true because mm-hmm. you know they reinforce by referring to another website or something that they're that, that's referred to from the original Facebook one, which yeah, just yeah. reinforces the view." And I'm finding that probably one of the most difficult and challenging uh, issues that I have to deal with, because. You know, no matter what you say, I mean, at the end of the day, as a member of government, we've got to actually do, we've got to deal with reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are things like constitutions and yeah, yeah. others and, and uh, that, that, that we have no choice. But that's where I think it's becoming more difficult. And people, are, people believe, unfortunately, they believe that the world starts and finishes on Facebook. And anything, you know, you read it on social media, it has to be factual. Yeah. But so that's that's a challenge. But having said that, I also through relationships that I've built across the communities, people actually uh, I encourage people to to think. And and this is the one thing I always give the message at this time of the election cycle: don't let anybody steal your vote. If you really want to be ignored. Sit back and left, leave one side or the par- politics or the other. Just do your voting for you. Just take you for granted because then they take you for granted. I know when I first got elected in here, people said to me, there is no way in the world, you know, don't worry about Cape York and the Torres Strait because they always vote for Labor. Now, and, and so that means, you know, we, we, just don't, we, we just don't need, to, we won't go there. But the Labor Party is also saying... We don't need to worry about them because we got their votes anyway, so we'll focus where we need to get votes because we got them. And so I've been very active and very com- on this and say, don't take them for me. Have a look at what we've done. Don't just, just blindly follow what you're being told. And it's been very, very successful because in places like uh, Pogparau, I've got, you know, 77% of the vote. 
Well, I've got to ask you, you know, you're at an Indigenous radio station, you uh, you connect on the ground fairly easily with Indigenous mm-hmm. people. What is that connection? Just explain how, how that comes about. Well, look, it's just that I... I mean, I'm fortunate in that, you know, I grew up in Mariba. Many of my school friends were Indigenous. So right from a very, very, very early age, um, I've always had an exposure to Indigenous culture. Um, I, I have to say, although in Mariba, a lot of the in, my Indigenous friends lived uh, in an area in Mariba there where there were a lot of them. But that was... Uh, and, 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 and at the time, I didn't realise. I mean, for example, I was, in a, I was a teenager when they forcefully removed uh, people from Old Marpoon. Now, I didn't know about that until I got elected. And that was in the 60s. And what they did there was nothing short of disgusting. I didn't find out about that until people like Thankupi and Jeannie Little and others shared the story with me when I was first elected. And to me, that was an absolute shame that somebody... Here I I'm, I was probably a 16- or 17-year-old living in Mariba, around the Mariba area, Cairns area, and knew nothing about what the mining companies, the government and the... Uh, Church did to those people of Mapoon. Now I've picked up, de- subsequently developed a very, very positive and, and close relationship with the with the Mapoon people as they've been coming back. But it's given me a very strong view of of strength of advocacy. I also, uh, as a young young person, was adopted into the Ware family. They were originally from the St Paul's area, and Uncle Bobby and Auntie Aggie Ware uh, become my my second mum and dad. And I love them love them as a family, as I do with with Robbie and Sally and Nora Nora Bagheera. Oh, no, they're all part of my family, and gives yeah. me a gives me a really good insight. And so through that, and of course, uh, I had a hurricane in Olive Oil Station where we had a lot of people from Ho- uh, Indigenous people from Hopevale and um, from the Agnara community and, you know, people like Freddie Coleman, uh, Georgie Musgrave, Tommy George and others become very dear friends. Yeah. And so that's given me an insight that, that generally you don't get. It gives me a level of respect for these people. I see some of these young Indigenous mayors that are coming through now. I was with Ralphie Kendall the other day yeah. out at Pomperau and so, his council. Yeah. Mate, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. A breath of fresh air, you know. Actually, Peter, I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> Peter Guevara, you know, what he's done there and uh, uh, up at Old Mapoon, and, of course, Eileen's come in after him. Mm-hmm. These are people that you can be very, very proud of, uh, proud to call friends. You know, uh, Eddie Newman up in uh, up, up at the NPA, um, you know, Bernard Charlie who also is, a, is a, I see as a good friend. These are people that I have a lot of respect for, and and that I that I, I enjoy working very closely, and I'll do anything I can to support them in their advocacy, as I have done recently when all of these councils t- come to together to form the ticker, and this is this is very important, and um, they ask that all of the housing money go into through councils rather than through the state government. Now, to me, this is a, a fabulous opportunity, and and I was successful in putting that money in, into uh, ticker so that the councils have control. But it's bigger than that, uh, Greg, because one of the concerns I have, real concerns I have as we see looking into the future, is Palmer Futures mm. and how you know the land councils morphing into Palmer Futures, which will continue to take control of the councils and, and, the, and the TOs. I see ticker as a far more appropriate body 
to be able to put resources into support those communities. And so, what we've done now with the money that we've put into these land, to the uh, for for building their own homes, I think is a, is is a building block in building capacity for the, for councils to take on a much broader Indigenous council take on a much more broader representative role. Yeah, well, uh, what we might do, uh, Warren, we'll just take in one short song and uh, come back and um, uh, discuss something else on a, on a big, bigger picture, but we'll, uh, we'll do that in just a f- few moments' time. We have as a guest in our studios a morning focus the uh, member for like uh, the um, Honourable Warren Ench. Um, Warren, uh, you, spoke, you, know, you spoke previously about your passion for uh, Indigenous people. I've got to ask you a, a question on from there. Uh, just of recent times, the, uh, the idea of Indigenous people having their name enshrined in the Constitution has been getting much more favourable response in the polls and the polling that's been going on. What's your thoughts on this one? Well, I suppose in, 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 in a couple of words, it's a no-brainer. It absolutely is, and I, I very much believe that we need to. Uh, that was an oversight in in the original in the original uh, drafting of the constitution, but understand that there were a lot of things in there. It was done in a very different period, and a much less un- understanding of what we have in today's society. You know, this was done before 1900. It come in in 1901, and it was done a long time before. And I'll just give you one example that is really biting us now and it's rel- and very relevant now but uh, but it's sh- it, 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 the reason behind it and that is uh section i think it's 44 of the constitution in relation to citizenship and i read in the paper the other day that somebody like yodi ja- uh, yodi uh yaski oh yeah 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 is, is they're questioning her eligibility to stand sit for parliament because of her background because on one side of the family there was i think malay and indonesian mm-hmm. background you know you look at that yeah she's an indigenous person and yet you think how how, how ridiculous is that 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 would be the case but section 44 is a very interesting one and it's it's it really ties in to us trying to update the constitution because the reason that that was there in relation to citizenship was not to stop, uh, you know, people coming because they come from different countries. Understand that at that stage we were predominantly English that was coming in here as the first wave of citizens back in 1901, English and Irish and what have you. The reason that it was put in was because it was just after the Boer War and the concern for our forefathers that were drafting the Constitution was more to keep the Germans out after the Boer War. And that was the reason that it was drafted in. Now, most people wouldn't even know what the Boer War was these days. And, you know, there is, you know, we we, we have a non-discriminatory policy on on, uh, migration. So really, it's an absolute nonsense. But nevertheless... It's in their constitution. You get those there that are going to defend. It's a bit like the Americans say, we're going to die to defend the right to bear arms. This is the same sort of stuff. And so, you know, it was an oversight with with regards to understanding our indigenous population didn't get the right to vote until 1967. They do in part of our census, and so you know you can understand why they were they weren't part of of, of the of the constitution because they were basically seen as fauna of flora, uh, flora uh, fauna of of the area. Things have changed 
in the right direction with that regard and we've still got a long way to go but I think it, 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 it's the same as having the kangaroo and the emu on our coat of arms. We must have full recognition of, of, the, uh, of our Indigenous sovereignty of this land. But there is a problem. Before we can have something introduced, we don't want a civil war between the various indigenous groups that have different views. I think it's absolutely critical that we at least get a a significant majority consensus and to make sure that that consensus is supported by the overwhelming, not the majority of people, not one individual high-profile uh, uh, Indigenous person's point of view or another. And so I would prefer to continue to facilitate discussion until we can come out with something that is broadly acceptable. And once that happens, I think we need to push it very, very quickly and hard to make sure it gets into the Constitution. So it uh, comes time for a vote on this. Um, you, would you be prepared to, um, you know, because you've been around Parliament quite some time, to uh, whisper in the ear of a few people and sort no, of edu- educate them? To I, in, in I wouldn't be whispering in the ear of them. You know, yeah, I'm, yeah, look, I'm, with, our, with our Indigenous yeah. uh, uh, members of Parliament, yeah. um, I have a very good relationship with Mullandiri McCarthy, she's a Labour Party lady. I have uh, with Paddy Dodson. Yeah. Kenny White from our side of politics. Yeah, but your, your side particularly, would you, would you sort of uh, try and educate them a little bit oh, in, in, in this area? Yeah. Absolutely. Look, I, I say very publicly, I, yeah. I, I believe it's absolutely essential yeah. that we do this, um, but I think it's important that we get something into the Constitution that we're not going to have a, a civil war break out within the Indigenous population because I think if we've got a very strong consensus within our Aboriginal population on on what they want to see there, yeah. then, then then that will bring on the rest of Australia. I think overwhelmingly the majority of Australia's have a view that they want to see recognition there. It's the, 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 the argument is on what it's going to be, and that can only come from leadership within the Indigenous population. Right, one uh, last one for the road, uh, and that's the, uh, the sea walls. You've, um, you hold that one quite passionately. Well, I do. I mean, given that I was involved in getting the first amount of money, and I, but I also find it very frustrating, the sea walls in the Torres Strait. Now, I remember when I was first approached uh, to, to get some funds for this, I was told uh, categorically that the cost to repair all of the, there was that six islands, was going to be in the vicinity of about 26 or $27 million. Now, I was successful in, uh, in, in getting money, and the state government matched it to get the full amount of money to do that, and the Torres Strait Island Regional Council was given the, uh, the authority to, run the, to, to do it. Now, that was for six islands. Now, there was a lot of problems, unfortunately, even they were running it, and the biggest problem there was where they sourced their rock from. Now, the, the job that's been done has been very, very good. But understand, when you start, instead of getting rock locally from Badu, where the quarry was at the time, or from Horn Island, when you start barging rock from Cairns and Townsville up to Saibai, that's, that's four kilometres from Papua New Guinea, you can understand the, the costs are going to blow out. And when almost the entire budget ended up going just on Saibai alone, you can understand that you have serious concerns 
about about the way in which the contract was handled. Now that was, I know there's been some reviews on this. I mean, the the people that done the cross, crushing originally because it started at Bardu, uh, the problem they had that they weren't paid, not once but twice, and so they pulled out. So there are serious issues, and so. I've gone back to... There was about $1.3 million that, they, that was left that they were going to put on to, start to put on to Boygu. Um, but I went, I've been going backwards and forwards to the council uh, to the council and, and to TSRA, and I'm being asked, how much money do you want to actually do the job? You just can't have an open checkbook. You've got to budget this, and you've got to make sure the money is spent properly. Still haven't got a costing, even to this day. Now, the Labor Party, state government, come up and said, oh, we're going to put another $20 million in, and they're screaming for to match it. But the reality is if we match that, you don't know, that could be spent on the next project and still the Central Islands are going to miss out. There's four of those. And I was over in Cocos Island a while ago and I seen what they're doing over there with sandbags and what have you and the reclaiming. It's magic. Yeah. But it's done by the by the Cocos Island community themselves. Yeah, yeah. And I came back and I said to the Minister, let's try this out in the Central Islands. Let's not hope that there's money left over. From, from this, you know, mm-hmm. by just from money doesn't fix the problem. Yeah. Getting in and doing the work fixes it. And I also saw this as an opportunity to actually teach the community how to do it themselves so that they can repair it. And so we put some money, 675000 into Puruma. You should see what they've done there. Now, they started that with the council, but the, the, the Torres uh, Island Regional Council, but they were using a massive big excavator, which took a lot more time and cost when they could have bought a sand pump. And so what, I, what we've done, I said to the minister, what we need to do is get the communities to do this themselves. Let's get the sand pump. So we put $5 million into, into the communities there. Say, so right, let's start the Central Islands. There's $20 million that the state government said, well, spend it as you will. Well, they can spend that money on Boigu. We will spend the money teaching the local community how to do this and how to maintain it. And at the end of the day, you will have a small business, a uh, micro business can be established there. You'll have all the equipment there that will be sitting there available on a barge so that you've got local people that can continue to repair it and work on it indefinitely having rather than waiting for contractors. So, you know, I'm very excited about this because at least the job is not just throw a bucket of money and, and hope that it's fixed. This is empowering the community to actually do the work themselves and as they need more, we budget it for it. Warren Ince, you've uh, been into the studios of Blackstar a number of times over this election campaign. This is the final one. Thank you for showing up today. Always a pleasure, mate. Uh, always find it quite inspirational when I come in here and all the best. And I'm looking forward to working with you to help create your new home on that vacant block of land next door.